Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. I can always tell when you're actually looking how at many, the camera. How many? Well, the, I got to. So this is the problem. I got a dual monitor set up. My webcam only reaches one side. And every week when I start the show, it's on the other one. Yeah. So he's looking away from me. Yeah. Folks, and he goes, what? And then, then he counts and says, hello, Jim. And he looks right at me. Yeah. Um, uh, we had this creepy thing where we were talking about this this week because we've been doing the COVID-19 thing. Everybody's working from home. We all got webcams. And so we did these video conferences. We're like, we'll talk to the screen, but then when we really want to talk to somebody, we look at the camera directly and then we say things like, yeah. we're fired. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. It's really creepy, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear that right now. I think a lot of people are probably hearing it right now and, uh, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, man, so it keeps ramping up. We got what, 50, 50,000 or 60,000 cases in New York now. Oh, and yeah. they're talking about, um, good news is they think it's going to peak in 21 weeks. So, or not 21 in weeks, 21, 21 days. Weeks. Yeah. yeah, 21 oh, weeks. Yeah, sometime in the summer, you know. Um, no, it's going to peak. Good sometime. news. It'll be good by Christmas. The thing is going to peak in 21 days. And I've heard um, the death the death rate is actually going to peak within a week or two. That's what the, the that's what, um, which is a horrible thing to be talking about, but that means we're about to swing around the other direction, which that's the only positive part of that conversation. Um, I we're lucky we haven't lost more, you know, like uh, guitar celebrities and stuff like this, um, from from COVID. I'm sure we've lost some, but um, I in fact I was reading about somebody who who was sick. I forget who it was. They were sick. They were in Europe and they were sick and they were in the hospital and they got released the other day. Um, I don't remember offhand, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, this is crappy time. Um, yeah. So we don't have a whole lot going on right now. I mean, I know you're, you're still working, right? Like you're still at guitar yeah, center. Yeah. Well, yeah. Guitar center. Um, the, the local one had to close for reasons I can't disclose, but, um, we're going to reopen. Um, so that's good news. Um, and they've been paying everybody for their actual shift. So if you had a shift, you get paid. So I got like six whole hours, seven hours. 
I don't know what I'm going to do with that gigantic check. Um, but luckily that, that kind of adds on to also, I had some other hours and plus <laughs> I kind of wanted to take some time off. Plus I have a, um, I have a commission check coming next month and I had a pretty good month this month. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, the coast guard job goes, I, we got our contract picked back up and that's a good, that's a good thing. Uh, it certainly so, is. Given the climate. And, I, and I got a raise, which I can't complain about. No, so. no one can complain about a raise. Um, no, I'm hoping for one this year too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that on the show, but uh, this, this, I'm an IT professional. Um, if you are still working and you have not given your IT professionals a shout out for the amount of work that they're doing right now to make sure that you can work from home, if you are working from home, uh, please just send them a message. It would be nice to hear from our employees every once in a while about how great a job we're doing, um, yeah. especially because. I've been working 14 hour days, 12 to 14 hour days for like probably three weeks now. I mean, yeah, it's don't, craziness. Yeah, don't, take, don't take that network for, for granted. Um, and it's not even that, like my boss, uh, my boss on Friday, we were kind of drawing straws over who's going into the office to pick up laptops because we hired somebody during this, which I can't even like, let, let's let that sink in for a minute. I work for a nonprofit association and we hired someone during the middle of COVID-19. <laughs> okay. Just, just put that in perspective. Um, that's how insulated the uh, nonprofit sector is from like economic situations and downturns and all that, because there's always people that want to join an association. So, um, and there's yeah. always people that are looking for professional development, albeit whether they're uh, working or out of work. So yeah. we're doing pretty well. But um, it's just, you know, he had to go into the office and we got a note that day, actually, I think that morning telling us that they had somebody in because um, we're in two. There's like two towers with an adjoining hallway in the basement um, and somebody in the complex had COVID-19 and that they were they were going to be sterilizing the hallways and all that stuff today. And uh, he was <laughs> we were going back and forth. And it was like. Uh, is this even lawful for us to go in right now? Because the governor has shut down all non-essential business. And as it turns out, we are allowed some leeway for business continuity. Right. So as long as like the whole office isn't there or, you know, like people aren't expected to show up at the office, it would be, uh, it would be okay for us to go in. So he went in, popped in, grabbed two laptops, came out. He's all unscathed. I know he had an N95 mask when he left and gloves. So my assumption was he was uh, like hazmat suited when he went in there. And I told him, I said, if I go in there, I got a hood, like I'm putting everything up, getting in the car, taking my clothes off, putting in a plastic bag. When I come home, throw it all in the dryer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I, I mailed some masks, believe it or not, to my wife. Um, so there, there's a, there's a funny story I've got for you. I was at the U-Haul. I had to go get gas for my gas grill. And so U-Haul is considered essential. And but we had to stand outside, couldn't go inside um, one one customer at a time. So one customer at a time. And so they have this line outside and they have markers for everybody to, to be six feet away. Yeah. Okay, everybody everybody's following the rules. And this one guy had to be about my age, 
I, I, and I think he's one of those guys that were my age that were like, I wish I'd been old enough to be a hippie in the hipster movement. Uh, <clears throat> so he pulls up in a, um, a hybrid, which I, I, I drive a hybrid too, by the way. Pulls up on a hybrid, and then he's like, I, I've got to return my cardboard. you got to return your cardboard in this in this climate. You have to return your cardboard. And so he's he's like, I wonder if I can just um, get them to take my cardboard, you know? And then first he says, first he's like this. He goes, he looks at the, those of us who are standing in line, and he goes, are you guys in line for U-Haul? And I'm like, we're standing outside of the building that says U-Haul. And it's the only thing is a bunch of trucks that say you all and, and this whole thing that's you all oh. and it's a gated U-Haul place. Everybody knows what a U-Haul place looks like. It's only a U-Haul place. Wait, you should have told them. Is, no, no, we're all waiting in line to buy a gun. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I said, no, no, we're, we're, we're waiting for Walmart. And then he looked at us like, and then, and then I just kind of looked at him like, you are an idiot. You are an idiot. <laughs> You, you should not have been allowed to get up in the morning and get out of your house. If you're that stupid, you can't get out. Now we're I'm waiting sorry. for a funeral. Yeah, we're waiting. <laughs> what? I should have been. What? I should have been like the Rolling Stones. I'm just waiting on a friend. All right. All right. All I'm right. going to I'm going to call this person out. This is this is my last COVID-19 comment for the episode. I have a coworker. He. Okay, so I'm not going to give you the whole story because I don't want to make him feel bad about certain things that he says, but I disagree with him on a lot of his worldview. Um, He's going around right now saying that COVID-19 is a conspiracy and that it's a way for us to give up our rights and then when we're vaccinated, we'll be be, uh, injected with RFID chips. (laughs) And I'm, I'm laughing so hard when I hear this because I'm like, first off, what purpose would the government have to unleash a plague so they could put RFID in us? Yeah. If they're going to do that sort of thing, because like if you follow the conspiracy theory, they're going to put you in a concentration camp, and then why would they bother? They could just unleash Ebola and then right. watch us all die, and then they don't have to worry about concentration camps. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Like it's it's just it, it's madness. And I have a cousin who is now tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, my yeah. grandfather is still waiting on his test results. He's in the he's in a hospital right now. Actually, I think he may have been released at this point, but he's he was in the hospital for a while. Um, right. Got tested like he's been waiting over a week for his test results. Um, she got Jeez. tested, got her test results like a day later, um, and she was told to quarantine at home. And um, your cousin, so, yes, and and I mentioned this because he posts this thing about how the flu is more deadly than, than COVID nineteen. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, based, currently, yes. Yes, that's current. Yes. But if if we continue to have cases grow of COVID-19, it is very likely it will be more deadly than the flu. Um, right. And it's, it's like this is a non-starter. Like this comment is a non-starter. So anyway, I, I responded. I'm like, dude, this is really disrespectful to people who have family members who are going through this. And um, of course, he comes back and he says – I mentioned my cousin. He comes back and he says, well – did they have a flu shot? And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? He said, well, that can cause a false positive. Like, like he somehow is enlightened. Suddenly, suddenly he's a member of the CDC. And then I, Oh, I blew him up because of course, Jim, you know, as well as I do, like I'm reading all the medical texts and stuff on all stuff. And I'm like, and I get the science behind it because I took, I took a lot of the, the, um, 
like DNA science and stuff when I was in college. I took I took genetics. I took two years of genetics, um, and I was considering actually going into a career in it at one point. Um, and I I hear this discussion going on. And he's he's basically saying like, well, you know, it's a false positive. Or whatever. So, so, so let me break this down for you. In order to get a COVID-19 test in most states right now, you have to get a strep test and you have to get a flu test. All right. The I think it's the PCR test, which is basically it's a protein based uh, DNA test that they do to determine whether or not you have COVID. All right. So I was like that test. In worst case scenarios, is ninety three percent likely to be true, positive, right? Right. In yeah. worst case scenarios, right. In now we did have some positive. It's it's, the, it's the, correct. The reason that this rumor is going around that there's a lot of false positives is because the first run of tests were were defective, right? Um, we have enough evidence now to suggest we're like at ninety seven percent effectiveness between ninety five and ninety seven. I was reading about it last night. 95%, and if you hear people toting that number around, they're referencing a study for a similar test done for roto, or, or, norovirus, norovirus right. back right. in 2012, okay? This is not the same test. It's right. very similar. It functions the same way, but it looks for different things. Yeah. And so they've gotten better at making it, number one. Um and number two is that's from 2012, and it's not right. even the same thing. Norovirus is a virus that mutates. Yep. Um, apparently, what we're dealing with right now doesn't mutate much. Right. So um, anyway, I, I, I kind of break all this stuff down for him, and I'm like, you know, maybe you should do some heavy reading on this subject. Like the numbers do say that, that of course, that listen, the flu right listen. now has killed more people this year. You, you do realize that Facebook memes are true, right? You do realize that, right? I mean, Apparently. there's there's no question that every Facebook meme you read and every screenshot you see in Facebook is true. That's why people are getting free coupons at uh, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> free free um, pizzas from uh, um, Pizza Hut, and don't forget about your free carton of cigarettes every year from Marlboro. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is, in a in a very sarcastic manner. Which is my way, by the way. Yes. If you get to meet me in person, folks, you will know. We're both the same. Um, yeah. I I have no no tolerance for people who don't take 10 seconds to look for something to make sure it's real before they post it on the internet. And um, again, this is this is one of those things. Um, it's it's more important that we if we're gonna share information, it's vetted. Um, and that vetted information is good. <clears throat> Some of the vetted information, like you know, like you were talking about the, the tests. Some people um, forgot that the, the WHO had tests last year for this thing. But the problem was the WHO's tests were often not um, as effective, um, which didn't help the initial outbreak in Europe, Norway, Italy, you know, so on and so forth, which well, I know actually, that Europe talking. Actually, the, the WHO test is is very similar to what we were using but the but the problem was so they identified it in november the chinese government started to identify it in november right it wasn't actually fully identified until until december 31st this year so right. when it started infiltrating europe there were no testing kits available like anywhere it didn't matter whether yep. you were u.s production or whatever and the rest of the world everywhere else in the world when you buy test kits where do you buy them from china china because it's something you need in massive quantities right 
and right. China was in the middle of you know their outbreak. They they shut the country down. Yeah. So this is the reason why I'm having to wait until May to get my new chair. I mean, it's crazy. I need a new computer chair, so I ordered one. It's gonna yeah, be, me too. We'll be here until like May fifteenth. You know, I did get my new toothbrush though. My oral brawn, my oral bead <laughs> from Braun, uh, smart toothbrush 8000 which has a way of like your smartphone knows which tooth you're brushing and all this other crap but anyway that's beside the point that's because i'm very very particular about um i have snaggle teeth so <laughs> i have to make sure that every tooth is cleaned properly because my teeth are all messed up people they're there there's not a tooth that's straight in my mouth <laughs> um so anyway um but at least they're all um uh clean i can't say white because then you would say, oh, well, Jim, they're actually kind of off-white. Yes, they are. I know. Because I'm old and I drink a lot of caffeine. So anyway, <laughs> so let's – speaking of old and caffeine, we're going to move on to um, any last-minute show topics for tonight. Well, Paul Pickley asks – Actually, I, I wasn't quite done with what I was saying. Oh, oh, all right. Which was – okay, so this guy – this coworker who's who yep. he slammed me with all this. Stuff. I don't care. Like I'm like whatever. Um, right. I kind of just I kind of like put him in a place, made him feel kind of a jerk, and then I did I did you know I said well you know the statistics in your article are sound or whatever, and then kind of just left it. But this is what I wanted to point out. He and I like we do align on some things. He he is a, a pretty big conspiracy theorist, and um, the one conspiracy theory we would do align on, and I want to bring it up for the entire show audience is that Jeffrey Epstein in fact did not kill himself. Um, anyway, moving on. Now we can go on, Jim. Yes, yes. I want to get one of those. <laughs> I had to get something positive out of that whole conversation. Hey, you know what I heard? I heard on the internet was um, his mother wrote him a note. It says Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Signed Epstein's mother. And only people who saw Welcome Back, Carter in the seventies are going to get that joke. So, all right. Paul Pickley asks, "How can bands practice while everyone is staying at home? What apps can be used?" Your your answer was. Jam Kazam. Jam Kazam. As far as I know, it's the only service that allows you to do it with reasonable latency. Right. Um, however, uh, and this is why I'm bringing it up on the show, I have heard that Jam Kazam, because there's not really a whole lot of investor sentiment, I guess there's a company that runs it. Um, I think it's probably their side gig. Uh, they're not really all that involved, the guys that actually design the software. And I'm in one of the Facebook groups. That's why I get kind of this banter back and forth between people. And it seems like uh, they are overtaxed right now. Everybody yeah. is looking for a way to play with other people, and they're all doing it on Jam Kazam. So that may not be a good answer for anybody. There may not be an answer for anybody. Um, I know at least one individual I know has a rehearsal space in the city, and they've been talking about, you know, they're not going to force anybody to go over there, especially when anybody's kind of like not feeling great, and he's not been feeling great. So he's like, we don't want to rehearse. And I, I totally get it. Um, actually the guy's an old stumpy. Uh, I've been doing all these videos, um, in the last couple of days and, and the two of the two of them have been together and doing videos. And I'm just kind of like, I'm watching this and I'm going, it's not really worth it. I mean, I, I get it. You guys both think you have a clean bill of health, but maybe you missed the memo 14 day incubation period. Like yeah. you could be spreading it. Everybody in both those households could have it right now. And for me, that's it's not worth it. It's just not. I I mean, I would I would sit by myself for a month and a half if I was living by myself. I, I yeah, you can have <clears throat> you can have this thing for close to a week, not even show symptoms of any kind, not even an elevated fever. 
in the extreme and cases, still, 14 days. In the extreme yeah. cases, 14 days right. before you even run a fever. Yeah, it's four to 14 days. So it, it, you you wouldn't even know you had it, and you could be given it away. You could be a regular typhoid Mary. Yeah, yeah. So that's why so, the social distancing, distancing thing is so important. Um, and if that means you can't play with other people, I like we've been talking about on the show, I suggest you use the time to get your shops up. Yeah, write some music maybe, or like learn some new music. I'm I'm working on Jeff Beck's Scatterbrain again because I used to know how to play it and I it just kind of lost it. Um, and that's a song that you have to have chops for. So oh, yeah. um, I've been going back and like relearning it. And I would recommend, yeah, it's great to play with other people, but but this is one of those times where social stuff needs to get put on the side. And I would not yeah. recommend that anybody be doing anything other than that. If you could get Jam Kazam to work for you, great. Um, yes. If you need a lesson, Zoom, Skype. Um, just remember, you're not going to be able to play along with the other person, but you will be able to listen to what they can show you and see what they show you and then repeat it back so that at least you know that you're getting the concepts now. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. Uh, what I've been doing, um, I've been playing with – I bought a – a paid version of Ableton so I could get more tracks, obviously. Um, now I have drums. I'm still trying to learn how to program drums. I'd rather somebody send me some drum stems. Went hint, wink, wink. Well, um, I will show you how to... up 4-4 four, four rock drum stems. Jim, Jim, we need to do a remote session like later in the week. And yeah. I, will use a t I will use TeamViewer. I'll get on your machine and I will show you how to okay. program drums. I, I assume sure. there's some sort of grid or like piano roll view. Yes, there's a piano roll view. Okay, yep. yeah, that's all that's you exactly need. Right. That's all you need. Yep, yep. Um, so I was using my piano roll view, but it sounds so robotic and so uh, yeah. But it might be because of the drum set I use. There's I two. Know. There's two parts, right? Number one is it'll be robotic if you just drag it on the grid and you don't make adjustments after the fact. But number right. two is if you just drag it on the grid. You know you just dragged it on the grid. So there's a psychosomatic part of that too where you're like, this doesn't sound right. Um, right. I was listening to – I watched – so PBS has right now – they have uh, the entire like – I think it's like the last four seasons of um, uh, Austin City Limits are free now. You can go on pbs.org and you can watch them uh, stream. Nice. And uh, I watched um, the most recent appearance of St. Vincent. And oh. that is a situation where you think that the drums while you're watching it are grid based, but they're not. And there's a drummer sitting there playing this stuff. And you're going, how in the hell? Um, <laughs> but but that's exactly like I wouldn't know any better. If I didn't see the drummer, I wouldn't have known it was a drummer. I would have thought it was a drum machine. So yeah. there is some psychosomatic stuff that goes along with that. Um right. But uh, we'll talk about it. I will. I will run you through that, and maybe we can make that a topic, like for next week or something. Like how to set up simple jam tracks yourself. Yeah. Um, and so what I did was I created a, um, a rhythm track, and then I'm going to create a bass track. Uh, so, and I'm going to do it without a bass guitar. By by the way, guys, not that hard. Yeah, I do. I don't um, like a lot of times. What I'll do is I'll do a keyboard. Yeah. Um, I would much prefer to do it with a bass guitar, but my bass skills suck. So um, yeah. if I do it, then I have to sit there and drag every note to make it like somewhat aligned. So, and, and then you don't want to do it too much because you don't want it to be like robotic. 
Um, I'll but, just throw an octaver on my guitar and boom. Done. Yeah, I've done that before. Um, it depends on which what style of octaver you're using. I mean, I'm just looking to, to jam with myself. <clears throat> yeah. So sometimes when you're just playing with yourself, you know, you don't have to have all this special stuff. <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim. It's fine. We we understand that you play with yourself. It's fine. It's all it's all good. So then I, I, I didn't say that. I think it. Um, so that goes on to, uh, uh, or did I say this? Any free resources you know how to play along, like the jam with uh, the JHS tracks. Yeah. As um, a matter of fact, folks, there are a lot, and I do mean a lot of um, of uh, jam tracks. Um, and if you search for jam tracks, you search in any key. Um, David used to you used to share a lot of I really have, good ones. In fact, I was going to share some of the. Uh, so there's two that I love, um, and I'll I'll kind of go through them like not jam tracks, but like the people who produce them. YouTube is a that's great, what I mean. Re- yeah, of course, YouTube yeah. is a great resource. Um, yep. Elevated jam tracks has like hundreds if not thousands of different jam tracks and many of them are one jam track that they do in like three different keys um and then Mm. quist uh who is a like a studio session musician has jam tracks as well he has like probably just as many as the other uh the other uh channel i just mentioned Um, i'm actually looking at yeah i'm just looking i'm looking right now and I mean, he's got stuff that's all like two five ones, um, yep. like a blues in every key and every type yep. of blues you could possibly think of. Um, he has, so has now, le- both, less of material as well. Both of these channels have a have a Patreon, and I I don't mind throwing a few dollars at them to uh, to support what they do. Well, I mean, they're monetized too, so yeah when you use that jam track they're getting a little they're getting a little kickback from right. uh you every time you hit play and you hit repeat they're getting monetized as well most of the time they're they're monetized so um which it's kind of bad because you might get a commercial break in the middle um and there's another one hang on there's another i mean this one i don't I, get commercial breaks because i have youtube premium yeah i would highly recommend if you're going to do that just get youtube premium so you don't have the commercial break problem uh elevated and then there's now you shred is another one and i use yeah. a lot of their stuff too but those yeah, three I, those three I, alone will get yeah. will you'll have enough tough stuff you to have, play the entire covid 19 like scenario exactly out. you have you have months and months of stuff literally if you just played them back to back there's also um uh pete um danish pete from uh anderton's has some jam tracks mm-hmm. and during the week he posted a Similar thing to what JHS did. And he said, hey, do a video of you playing along with it and hashtag, you know, uh, whatever. Um, but either way, even if you don't create a video for it, sit down with those jam tracks and just do it. That, those are the, to me, uh, and I thank Michael Newman for bringing that up. Jam tracks are some of the best things that that uh, I can come up with as far as practice. Keeping if, your chops If up. you want to sit at home, I mean... The other thing is like it, it forces you and a lot of I, I can't tell you how many people I have played with um, who have never like improvised a solo or have never like improvised a part. Um, and yep. it can be some of the most fun stuff in the world. 
it is not the same as being on stage with people because they feed off you and you give back and like right. you communicate through music. But it is very useful because it builds similar skill sets. So I would highly recommend you do that while you're on your COVID break. Um, you know, if you're fortunate, uh, I'm sure we have some listeners or somebody that, you know, lives with family or whatever who also plays an instrument and like you suck because uh, <laughs> you get to do all the fun stuff. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Jim, your face is frozen in the funniest look. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the face for you. Great, great, it's great, um, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. it, it, he looks I, like the, he the looks like is, he's like. Oh, uh, uh, we don't have that audio lag we had last time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's the good thing. Yeah, well, apparently it wasn't an issue with the episode at all because we we uh, I he mixed it and I mixed it and we raised. Dan Kish is now our producer. For for yep. putting the episodes together, um, he's our editor basically. Yep, thanks to yep, thanks to Dan Kish. And uh, he did he did last week's episode. I did a copy of last week's episode. I compared them before I launched. I liked his better. Um, and it was, I mean, it was just that I think that he had some different plugins and things, and also because that gets me out of having to do it every week, so I can focus yeah. on doing the cool stuff, like you know, actually doing stuff for our listeners. Yep. Um. Man, what is with uh, my stomach is awful tonight. I don't know if you guys can hear that yeah. through the microphone, but it's like, bleh. yeah, but no, my I can't hear it, but mine is doing the same thing. So <clears throat> I had to, I had a beautiful day um, today and yesterday, so I did a lot of yard work. I am, I am beat. Did you stay six well, six feet away from your neighbors? Well, you know, yeah, at least. Um, you know, it's funny because I've been practicing. It, it's a nice thing because when you when you're in a a suburb like I'm in, um, it, social distancing isn't a problem. Yeah, I I think that people who live in a city, like you know, people who live downtown Chicago, right? Yeah, that. And there are people <laughs> who live in Manhattan and people who live in really those are the people where social distancing really is an issue. Um, my wife lives in an apartment building. That's I can't imagine like being in a town home, which we do have people in I'm this a, area. I'm in a condo. Yeah, and you're in a condo. It's it's a lot easier when you're when you're in a house. Um Yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. I mean, I'm literally so like we have a procedure now. When I get stuff dropped off, it comes in the front door, it comes down the stairs, it sits in front of my front door. I come in the house, I I scrub my hands. Um, my wife goes out with she's got uh, so she's she's a licensed cosmetologist so she has barbicide and she right. makes that and she also has some like bleach in fact she's walking, walking behind me right now to clean her um, she has like bleach water and stuff and she'll spray it down and wipe it all down and then we let it sit for a few minutes and then we carry it in the house and right. this whole procedure has to go on while this is while this stuff's happening because both my wife and I both have ailments that could potentially. Uh, complicate things if we were to get COVID-19. So she and I like literally have not left the house in three weeks. Um, We've been out like once or twice. I think um, we took a drive one night. We went for a walk. She went to the grocery, like right when it started and got two things or got some milk. I went to target, I think one time and went to the pickup counter and then left. Um, but other than that, like I have seen my parents, I've gone over there and hung out with them for a little bit, but they're social distance too, except for my dad, 
who's still working. But in his case, even his plant is now social distancing. They're staying six yeah. to eight feet apart. He told me that he's staying in his office pretty much all day long. So he's really just not getting involved with people. Um, and it, good on him. He's, he's, I believe he's 73. Um, I'd have to do the math. Um, so his whole situation uh, yeah. is like, you know, don't get it basically. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is crazy times. Like, even if I got gear, I got strings. I wiped them down. Like I haven't wiped the actual string down, but I wiped the box down, which by the way, where's my box? So this is my, my string joy box. Right. And I got, what? um, I'll, I'll read off the gauges and stuff, but I got my, I got a wipe from them. It was like four bucks to wow, be able nice. to wipe my strings down and keep it in my case. And then my gauges I got, this is for my seven strings. says 10, 13, 17, 26 wound, 36, 48, 64. Um, wow. I got two boxes of these. But you know what the greatest thing is, Jim? When you open these up, not only were they signed by Mason over there, um, but when you open them up, um, they're individually wrapped. They're freaking individually wrapped. Really? I Yes. Dude. Let me let me explain yeah, like something. The, it's been I, so long since I put the string joys on. I have a bottle of a, a bottle. I have a box of NYXLs right here right now. They're thirteen they're or fourteen bucks a box, and they're not individually wrapped. So if you yeah. open them, throw the rest in the garbage. Even if you only right. have to change one string, throw the rest in the garbage. Thirteen yeah. bucks down the crapper because otherwise yeah. they're going to rust. Right. So you mm -hmm. might as well, if you break a string, just change the whole set, even if it's brand new. Um, and I got, I got, yeah. I'm just sick and tired of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to NYX sell my money anymore. String joy. I just order from string. Joy, it's fine. They're better quality strings. Anyway, we did the, we did the AB test in the beginning. They're both great strings. Those are individually wrapped. I can get exactly yep. the gauges I want. Yep. And I don't have to spend like, you know, an ungodly amount of money on them for something that is going to just going to get tossed if I break a string. It's crazy. Crazy. Agreed. Agreed. You can get oh, individual NYXLs. I looked into it. They want $2 a string. Jeez. Yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> what are you guys on? Well, they can't make them cheaper as a whole set buying individually than the pack. So the yeah. packs are overpriced. So therefore, the individual strings are now two dollars a piece, or I think they're three dollars a piece. Yeah, stupid. I remember digging through, and this isn't that long ago. This is like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Digging through a box of strings at a store and buying strings for ten cents a piece. So, oh yeah, well we <clears throat> we get them in tubes um, for for the repair guys, and I kind of want to buy like those where you buy like um you get a tube of ease and a tube of, but then i'm like i would never use them fast enough for, before it's they not worth it no. it's not worth it unless you can get so the, the cool thing is now that they're all doing the polyethylene packs that totally makes it worth it to um to to get them that way and i actually yep. was okay when diodario was doing two strings per pack because yeah. i don't mind tossing one but if I have to, I, and it's a seven string set, mind you, right? So right. I have to change one string because one breaks, which that never happens, folks. But it has happened every once in a while. I pull the one string off and put a new one on, and then I throw the other six away or I change them all. 
Yep. It's it's silliness. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I change them all. Usually I change them all, but um, and that's that's mostly because. I mean, even if they're a week old, like at that point, they're not going to sound right if you only have a, one new one on there. That's right. So, yep. I can't stand to have one string brighter than the rest. <laughs> He's looking down; it's like shiny and chrome. The rest are all rusty. <laughs> so, I I, it's not. No, I don't mean the look. I'm talking about the sound. I, I hope. I hope you were talking about the sound. Especially, especially you, Jim. with acoustics. I know. Yeah. I, it, well, there's that too. But, um, so. We got, uh, we got we, more. We went, we went, we went way off there. So now we've got to talk about this one. This one actually is one Nick Bongers put one in there. Um, <laughs> and then we'll get to Jonathan Diaz's. We got to talk about Jonathan Diaz's laugh. I don't but, know if I want to talk um, about Diaz. Nick, um, Nick Bongers put one in and I'm going to quote Nick's, but I'm going to say this. I've been thinking the same thing all week and from some of the most famous people. It's true. He said, how shitty Facebook Live is for doing acoustic couch performances. And I've got to admit, I've seen, and that that's a quote. So, Tom, if you're listening, um, that's that's Uncle Nick over there. Um, <laughs> Brother Nick for you. Yes. Uncle Nick for St. Um, Nick, if you will, uh, with, with, with where we're going next. Um I I gotta say, so I've experimented with Facebook Live for doing like guitar stuff. Anything where audio quality is paramount, just forget it. It's not it, you're not going to be able to get good audio quality on Facebook Live. I don't care if you're using an interface. Oh, that's not what I thought it was. Um, like to to actually you know get audio in your computer and then, right because because what what Facebook Live does in order to make it a live stream, which by the way is yeah. still about six or seven seconds off, sometimes more. Um, yep. Facebook Live compresses the crap out of your audio and does worse things than the phone company. So it can yeah. take like a brilliantly mic'd up amp and sound it, make it sound like a toilet going through yep. a uh, a bullhorn. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do it. Just don't. Uh, I would highly recommend if you're looking into doing it, use a third-party software, figure out how to connect it to Facebook Live. It is a doable thing. Um what is the name of the software we used to use to record the podcast? OBS. You can use OBS, OBS with an application yep. key and stream directly to Facebook Live and bypass yep. a lot of their compression methodology and stuff. Um, yeah. For anybody who's doing it, it sounds good. That's probably what they're doing. Uh, the other thing I would recommend is pre-record it. Who cares? Right. Who cares if it's right. live Does or it not? need to be live? Exactly. Does it need – now – I want to talk about something that some music that some non-musical people did that was very important. <laughs> and again, I'm not being sarcastic, am I? I don't look like it. Um, and that's Gal Gadot and those clowns. I mean, those idiots. I mean, those those wonderful people who decided to put up a a, a, co a cover of Imagine by John Lennon because God knows we want to hear a bunch of people who sound like they're get like their jackasses getting whipped with an apple switch. To go uphill with a two-ton um, bag of cow manure. And here, I don't know. And here again is one of those situations where we have celebrities thinking that their opinions are more important than the average common person. We live Here's in a, a wonderful world, don't we, folks? <laughs> it's like it, it, it's the it's the epitome of the opposite of what the song is about. The song is about peace, and they're talking about not about health, a, peace, yeah, health. <laughs> They're talking about the these people. Oh, your grandma died. Imagine there's no heaven. Yeah, oh, great. Yay. 
That's just That's horrible. It's easy if you try and then um uh no hell below us, above us always oh thank you. Thank you for I mean I guess it's a comforting thought if you're so one much. of the, the atheists that live in Hollywood, which are pretty well, I guess all of them, I don't know. Um I would assume thank you. that many thank of you, Gal Gadot, for for proving that you should just stick to being Wonder Woman and shut up. <laughs> just shut up. She's not. I don't care. She's not. A, she. I mean, she's dual citizen, but you know, she's yeah, from she's Israel. Israeli. She's Israeli, yeah. and she's basically yeah. an atheist. I I would assume based on her song choice. Um, I don't think I don't think she or any of the other. <laughs> I don't think any of them figured that. out what the song is actually about. <laughs> I don't think those people knew what the song was about. I mean, I, I they should have just picked Revolution. Why not? <laughs> I mean, it's why not, right? I mean, yeah, it's the Book of Marks. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you, you know, was it? But, now the question I have, because no, I haven't listened to it yet, was it politically motivated in the sense that they were like trying to promote Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders? No, no, or, they were. No, they were trying to make you feel better about COVID nineteen. Which so yeah, that doesn't make any sense. If it was now, if it was politically motivated and they had that, to, then it makes. sense. What was the Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson did the thing where they had like all the artists in the eighties. What was this? Song? Oh, that was um, that was um, we are the world. That sounds like that would be more right, appropriate <laughs> for the situation than. I think I think um I mean I guess I think, honestly like I saw it I didn't watch it Jim because I saw it and I went no <laughs> like just I no I, I I listened to the first I didn't even get to where what's her name that played in Black Swan um Natalie Portman she was in, yeah Natalie Portman. I didn't even get to the Natalie Portman part I was like I, I can't even listen to this these people can't sing and they're and they're awful and they're awful do you people remember for doing when what actors once in a while had to do a musical <laughs> well that's when yeah do you remember when, had... when actors actually couldn't use pitch correction do you remember <laughs> like, yeah i remember, I remember. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember when musicians couldn't use pitch yeah, correction? yeah no, remember, i remember <laughs> remember that was only you know my member years ago <laughs> so yeah i mean it's just awful. But anyway, um, yeah, crappy Facebook Live stuff. That's That was some of the crappiest Facebook Live stuff um, I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I've seen some good performances in the last week too, though. I saw um, – I should try one. I should do one. I should set up my stuff in my living yeah, room. Yeah, I mean I'm just saying like I've seen, I've seen a couple of good ones. I haven't seen a lot of good ones, but I've seen a couple of good ones. I don't have a couch. I don't own a couch. I only own a love seat, or not a love seat. Um, uh, I only I only own one chair. It's a it's a it's a recliner. Jim needs to buy a gaming PC so he can play video games with me. Like this is something that we gotta we gotta force him into. Like this has got to happen. Yep. Because because he has no idea what's gonna happen. Like when he logs into one of my games for the first time and he sees the ridiculous construction projects I waste hours and hours doing, he'll laugh so hard. <laughs> he'll just be like, "What is what? Why are you wasting your time with this?" Um, so now I, I even, so uh, another friend of mine talked me into, cause I do PS4 games. Yeah. You're another f friend of mine talked me into buying Gran Turismo. So oh, yeah, there's like, a game okay. way to waste 10,000 hours. Yeah. So, so I'm like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll buy Gran Turismo um, sport. So I get, it. it's like $14, right? All right. Easy. $15, something like that. 
I bring it home. I install it. Oh, to be able to play with someone else, you need the um, live premium. Thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, PSN. So they're $60. So now the game has cost me $75. And then I'm playing with a controller. I'm like, oh, man, I suck. He goes, you know, a lot of people use a racing wheel and stuff. So I'm looking up a racing wheel, $300. Are you freaking kidding me? How much do I pour into this game that I'm going to play online? Dude, dude, there's a game, an equivalent game for Xbox called Forza. And I know people who have spent thousands of dollars playing Forza. Have you seen some of the expensive, speaking of expensive gear, folks, have you seen some of the expensive gear it takes to play that? I mean, it's some of those racing stuff is like a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like all force feedback and like, but it's not. Yep. These games are not sophisticated enough to be a racing simulator for somebody who goes out and races. Right. I've no. I've driven cars no. very very fast, and I can tell you that the physics of Forza are not the physics of the real world. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've got a close personal friend. He owns he owns so many Porsches. He has a separate garage for his Porsches with lifts and stuff. But anyway, that said, um, one time he posted a, a video and I was like, wow, man, what video game is that? And he goes, that's not a video game. That was the, that was my, digital. yeah, they do a digital um, uh, shot of his actual uh, thing. So when he, when he drives the track, they can look back on it mm-hmm. and they can, and they've got cameras or whatever that see every view, and it's it's incredible. Um, and he he races up in the Baltimore area. I hope he's okay. I, I haven't reached out to him the last few days, so I should I should reach out. Is he the one that races with uh, Analog Man Mike? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's what I figured. Has. That's what I figured. Yep. Um, if you didn't, he's in some really big clubs. If you didn't know, uh, Analog Man Mike Pierre, his uh, his favorite uh, thing is actually not guitar effects; it's racing his Porsches. Yeah. So, yep, racing <laughs> Porsches. And I now have another friend who joined that group because I said to him, he he retired from the service. He's got more money than brains, and uh, he went out and bought a Porsche. Hi, Dan, and uh, his name is Dan Marino. <laughs> so, I yes, I gathered. <laughs> And uh, anyway, Dan, I, um, uh, he's got Porsches, and I, I referred him off to that that group so that he could join in and race with those guys because he's got the right cars and the right money. So why not? Um, Enjoy your retirement. Yeah, I don't play a whole lot of video games, to be honest with you, but I do play. Mm-hmm. So the ones I do play, I've been playing a lot because COVID-19, right? Um, right. and you can't sleep and like all this stuff. And that's how I've been lately. Oh, I know. So right. I've, I probably doubled the amount of time I played in this game, uh, seven days to die. Yep. So it's just a thing. Um, actually, if you heard the buzzer just now, that's my groceries being delivered. Um, oh. wow. I, oh yeah, you get, so you get grocery delivery, right? I'm doing Amazon, uh, Amazon fresh right now. Yeah, I've got Amazon. I uh, so I just got Amazon Prime. It's almost impossible so to get a fresh delivery time here in Chicago. I literally sit and refresh every fifteen minutes until I get delivery time. Yeah, I live literally the vans. I can walk out of my house, walk up um, uh, past four houses, and look over, and there's all the vans for the um, Amazon delivery here. So. And that's and <laughs> and I guarantee you that's right where everybody stands coughing all over each other it's wonderful <laughs> no no they're they yeah they've been doing really well over there the, um 
and I get to see it firsthand. So it's pretty cool. So, but anyway, um, it, yeah. So let's get out of that, that whole thing. Let's keep going. So we got to talk about Jonathan Diaz. Jonathan um, Diaz so, asked us to discuss Santa Claus fan fiction. Uh, um, so Santa Claus fan fiction, I don't know of anybody, I do. any of them, but I do. do. You've heard of I'm it? I'm going to tell you a Santa Claus fan fiction story. Okay. There was a person we know, his name was St. Nick. Uh, he gave you some tele pickups, and now oh, yeah. I can give them away. Well, and now I'm going to give them away. <laughs> That's right. Um, As a matter of fact. We originally set the, the drawing date for April 3rd, I believe. We're going to push that back. I don't have yeah. a firm date yet. It's probably going to be the third week of April. And yeah. that's because I don't want people to have to go to the post office either to pick no. up or to send out a guitar right now. Um, and mm. not for any other reason. I mean, we could hold the drawing and then sit on the guitar for two weeks. But frankly, we haven't had a great turnout. And so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to hammer it on every episode of the show. We are giving away a free Telecaster, uh, Square Affinity yeah. Tele, with Great Lakes guitar pickups, pickups in it. And this guitar sounds yeah. good. Uh, you yeah. should want it. The only thing that's wrong with it is there's like a, like a, a finish ding. There's a ding in the finish. Um, big ding. Who cares? It's free, right? Uh, you can have firewood. I mean, but you're going to get great pickups. So you take the pickups yeah. out, burn the rest of it. It's fine. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> or keep it the way or it is. Or keep it the way it is. <clears throat> if you don't have a Telecaster, it'll make a great starter Telecaster. And take you get another one. Out, then you take put the them in another one and, and do another one. Yeah, and put these crappy pickups back in it. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I just think that uh, I think somebody should uh, should get it and enjoy it. I agree. I don't play it. I agree. I don't play it. I have in my possession, and we're going to start playing up the next giveaway already. I have in my possession the P90s that came from Sweetwater Gear Fest last year where I actually made one of these pickups. Um, I have the P90 guitar that I bought to demo these pickups. Uh, brief update on that. I had to set it up again at home, and it was because <laughs> every time I take my guitar to the guitar shop, they're way more humidified than I am, and then I come home and the neck back bows uh, or it four bows, or you know, and I have to adjust the neck. So in this case, I actually had to put some relief into it um, because I was playing it yesterday, and the frets are real low, and it's kind of a buzzy guitar. And I was kind of like, well, it, it's just buzzing, whatever. And then I started to realize the buzzing was not coming from the frets above the note. It was coming from the stuff behind the note, which means that either the nut is cut too low or there's not enough relief. I checked the relief. Uh, I needed to dial some in. Uh, about a quarter turn on the truss rod, and then the guitar plays great now. It sounds really good. Um, this is going to be an optimal guitar for these pickups. I can't wait to put them in there. But yeah. I'm going to video that. I'm going to do audio clips. You're going to see it in the group, and then you can decide whether or not you want to put your hat in the ring for the P90s. I've already talked to a few people who are who said they're going to do it. Um, just to so you know, our entry for this stuff is easy. Like All you have to do yeah. is take your phone, point it at your face, and say, hey, I want that. We don't care yeah. the reasons why you want it. <clears throat> Right? right, make something up. Yeah, we don't care. Um, I've got, I've got. Because my mother's an alien. Because <laughs> my, we've been giving this guitar away for three weeks now, and I'm going to be honest, we have had like not enough submissions that I really want to give it away under these conditions. So please, right. me, please me send in some more submissions if you're at all interested. 
throw your hat in the ring. There's a very good chance you're going to get this guitar and share it. Share the fact that you can do this. Yes, absolutely. Turn people on the show. They want to hear the, the rules. Here's the rules. You, you, you take a video yourself saying what you're going to do with the guitar. Basically, just take a video yourself and send it to us and say, hey, I want this guitar. Send it to either to Jim Woodard on Facebook from our Facebook group, David Hill from our Facebook group, or send it to the Practical Guitars podcast Facebook page in a message, yeah. or send it to us via email at questions. Anyway, anyway, you can get it to us. Questions at practicalguitars.com, and it'll enter you. It's not hard. It's not, it's not hard. It's not I'm something. begging you, take this guitar from Jim, please. <laughs> you're, you're talking about getting a free guitar. Yeah. And it, I've never and seen not... a drawing where people are like, oh, I'm not really all that interested. And I know that's not what's going on. I know people are forgetting about it. So do what you yeah. can right now. You're, you're listening to our podcast during COVID-19, probably. Stop what you're doing. Put us on pause. Go over to the Facebook group. Look yeah. up one of the various contact methods for the show. I suggest questions at practicalguitarspodcast.com or you send us a, an, an instant message on Facebook, yeah. either Jim or myself or the show, and enter. Yeah. I know that people can do this because people have done this. Yeah, that's <laughs> we just want more people it's to do literally, this. literally that Don't simple. just give it away to the people who've entered. Don't just give it to them enter yeah Get, be that stick in the mud <laughs> enter enter the 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 contest for goodness yes, sake. please um be good for goodness sake yes, there you go there's, there's our, our Santa Claus. so saint nick delivers pickups to the fiction. people that need them that's and right. everybody needs a covid19 pick pick me up let's let's be let's be real right now everybody is being affected by this whether you're rich poor or whatever you've all got your life circumstances that are being affected by this get some free pickups it'll brighten your day yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it'll brighten my day to have to bring it down to the store or i mean to the yeah it'll brighten jim's day to get COVID 19 to send you this guitar <laughs> by the way i am i am bulletproof next thing gear fest yeah. is still on apparently um as far as we know it, it, it has not been canceled uh, we are still planning to go. Um, if you are in, uh, if you've already put up money for the Airbnb and you're going with us, uh, that's the plan so far. Uh, I need to reach out to individuals who maybe still owe a little bit of money for that. Going to do that this week. Um, but if you are not really sure on what you're doing, like we get it, um, we've already been able to make the deposit, so I think we're okay. I just wanted to reach out and let everybody know. There's no reason for us to cancel if the government says it's okay for us to go. Um, right. It just means that we have to be a lot more judicious when we're there, probably. Um, so that because it's it's an international thing, there's people come from all over the place. Um, you're gonna want to make sure you have hand sanitizer when you go. You're gonna want to maybe bring an N95 mask. I mean, I, it could be like that sort of situation. Um, but yeah, we're still planning on going. Even if the event gets canceled, we may reach back out and say, you know what? We're still going to meet at the, the Airbnb down there and do our thing and have a jam for like two days, three days. So right. um, it, it, it's, a, it's a crappy situation, quite frankly. So we'll put it to a vote for the, uh, the listeners who have decided to go with us, and then we'll figure out like what we're going to do. But that's, that's where it stands right now. Apparently, GearFest is still on. So 
Um, yep. I'm going to call my Sweetwater rep tomorrow and see if that like there's any rumblings of it being canceled or anything like that. But um, so my Sweetwater rep left. Yeah, quit. Yeah, he left uh, Sweetwater, so I have a new rep. Is it Brant Miller? No. Why not? His name is. Uh, it does start with a B, though. Um, he's a new guy, and his name sounds like he's mid. He's got uh, Middle Eastern roots. Um, looking it up. There's a lot of anyway. new faces over there all the time. Um, yeah. That so. I'm gonna give you the lowdown on what what Sweetwater is like um, for a lot of the people. So, obviously, like people like Brant Miller and we know other reps there, they do really well, right? They come in, they have a gear focused mind, and they like serving the customer, and they work in the customer service department, and they bend over backwards to get you the information you need. I mean, Brant literally calls me just to like talk, not to sell me stuff. Um, that's a whole other like level of customer service that I only get at my mom and pops, right? But um, the problem is they're expanding very quickly. And with any company that expands quickly, they don't always get that level of talent. And I think the expectation by a lot of people coming into a sales situation is like, unless I'm going to get guaranteed sales, I don't want to be there. And so they'll come in, they'll work for six months or work for a year, maybe two years, and then just say, you know what, this isn't for me because I can't make money here. And that's that's why sales jobs in general have high turnover is because if you do, if you're not good at it, you're not going to stick with it. And even that even applies to like people who are really good salespeople may not be able to sell cars, but they might be really good at selling CDs, like you know jet skis. Right. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like that's a big part of uh, that whole scenario. And they have been growing hand over fist. Um, and if you've ever been in an environment like that, it can be a challenge. Because it's always like dog eat dog, um, you know, out for blood kind of stuff because you're struggling to get the attention of your managers to take care of you and whatnot. Um, because they probably got 50 new people that they have to deal with too. Um, so I, I think the best people that I've dealt with over at Sweetwater are always the ones who seem to be like focused on the customer. And they don't seem distracted by what's going on in the day-to-day -day business hours because they know at the end of the day, the important thing for them is to keep you happy and that if they can keep us happy, then guess what? They'll be happy at work because they're going get, to be getting paid a decent amount and they will get the recognition that they deserve. I think a lot of people get to, especially in those roles, tend to get distracted by the politics of the organization and then they don't focus on what they're actually supposed to be doing. And I think all of us have probably been in that sort of situation with whatever job we do, especially if it's like a white collar job like that, you know, where it's, you know, behind a desk and um, you, you can easily get distracted by the politics of the organization that you're working for and not be concerned with what it is you're actually supposed to be doing. Uh, it's just, you know, water cooler talk type stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So when you get your new rep, has he called you yet? He has his name is Drake so Soda Sober Rat Sober Head hmm? Soda Broad. I don't know how to spell it. Say it. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I was thinking about the other day. So, 
a lot of mom and pops are struggling right now, right? And uh, a lot of them, maybe depending on bailout money from the government, like those like small business loans and stuff to stay afloat in this kind of situation. So if you have a local mom and pop that you go to, um, and if they're still open, if you're not in one of those states where they have a lockdown, you know, give them a little extra business right now. Like go and buy something from them. Um, no, but if you have a local mom and pop who who does close, like I would consider Sweetwater and and or Guitar Center because Guitar Center is starting to move towards the rep direction and stuff that Sweetwater is. Yeah. I would consider them them as viable alternatives. Um, I yeah. just also would like make sure I'm doing my my due diligence and figuring out products. See, when I go to Brant, like over at Sweetwater, it's not. I don't usually call him up and be like, "Hey, what what do you got that does this?" Like I sort of know what I'm looking for. And I'll maybe mention a couple products and just ask for opinions like, hey, what do you think of this? Like, have you had a chance to mess with this yet? Or, you know, because they get a lot of product training. So, you know, he's usually got pretty good opinion and uh, interest in that kind of stuff. Um, I will say that it helps to have a sales engineer who has both similar experience in music to you, but also somebody who's kind of like aligned with the same kind of same, same kinds of thinking which it it kills me and i and i hope brand's listening to this i know he does listen to the show occasionally um if not more than occasionally uh he's a guy that i had never heard play because i used to buy stuff from a guitar center and i heard him play the first time at gear fest um when i was there with ryan the year before last and he's like a he was like doing this stuff on this telecast he's like a tele ninja right and i'm like what is it and then I talked to him and he was telling me like he he has 5150 profiles on his Kemper. I'm like, you play that kind of stuff? He's like, yeah. And then he tells me I have a Music Man Majesty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so that's, you know, I'm all over the place too. So it helps to have people in my corner when I buy gear that are also all over the place. Um, or at least mildly interested in, in other genres than themselves. So... That's why I said, Jim, if you don't feel aligned with your rep, go talk to them. See if you can find a different rep because they do divide up the book of business when somebody leaves. Um, I know that they tend to give it to somebody with seniority or whatever, um, but you have the right to have whatever rep you want. So if, if you want to talk to some other people, find a rep you like, I don't know that it even matters to you because you work at Guitar Center. So, right. Uh, although exactly they're starting to get new brands at Sweetwater like hand over fist lately. Uh I saw they got GNL last week. I mean I was I was pretty shocked by that. Um because GNL tends to not be dealt by companies that also deal Fender, with the rare exception being Guitar Center and Musicians Friends. So um Anderton's picked them up last year and now it looks like they're being picked up at Sweetwater. Now, um Janelle fans, Jim, you're not a huge Janelle fan, but it may serve your purposes to know this. So, Janelle, if we go and we look at what Sweetwater has in inventory, and when you know that I already had Sweetwater up, um, it's there's like a perma tab for Sweetwater and Guitar Center, and um, actually Guitar Center, I have the the used departments at my three local stores on yeah. so i could just click through um and and i check them like once a day i just open them up real quick just to see if there's anything new um so if you look at uh 
Sweetwater and you look at their GNL selection. So ignore anything tribute. Like let's just say let's just talk about the USA stuff, right? Um, so I, an ASAP classic, which is basically a telly. They don't do they make a yeah so they do make a USA ASAP classic. Um, mm-hmm. It's fourteen hundred dollars, right? It's USA, right? It's that's that's mm-hmm. the USA price. Uh, I would say it's somewhere between like the standard USA American Strat and and I say standard because that's not the model I got. I got my quotations going for Jim. Um, yep. Between that and the like the top tier deluxe whatever they're called the Ultra, right? They're yep. kind of in because they have sounds that are more ultra like. They're more modern sounding and like more present and maybe uh, eliminate some of the things that you would think were like minor inconsistencies of, of the original tele design. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, they're, you know, decidedly esoteric in, in other things like, you know, the way that they're the um, aesthetics look and that kind of thing. So uh, I think it's a good price. But here's the rub, right? So GNL used to be a custom shop, pretty much. I say pretty much because you'd order a model, but then you would have like a laundry list of options you could get on said model. So that's right. why everybody would go to their dealer, right? They would go to, um, like, I would go to Good Time Music and I would say, "Hey, I want an S five hundred, and this is the real thing that's happened." I said, "I want a maple neck. I want an ash body, clear, uh, clear polyurethane, you know, finish, which they only do poly." Um, I think they do nitro on some of the real expensive stuff. And then I wanted, you know, specific neck shape, fret size. And, uh, I got exactly what I ordered. Right. Um, and they had like, you had, you had options. It was kind of like going to Kiesel, except that Kiesel gives you a lot more options. Right. Um, and I think it kind of sucks because now they're doing production models and we've talked about them doing production models on the show before, but like, for me, that was part of the, the the good part about buying USA GNL was that I could kind of tailor things. If I wanted a V neck, I got a V neck, you know? Yep. Um I think that their custom shop stuff starts north of two thousand though. Which means there is there are eighty one SKUs in Guitar Center for GNL. Right. And that's, and that's in the new. That probably also can uh, – one per color, right, I would think? 54 – nope. 54 okay. skews for guitar, 27 skews for bass. Sometimes it's listed by color, but most of the time with Guitar Center, it's listed like um, – unless it's you know a super different thing. Um, they'll give you the one, and then they'll – uh, for example, the GNL ASAP Classic Blues Boy Electra, fifteen ninety nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so they do have. I'm looking, and they they have about forty, like that that number of SKUs. You said was some fifty something. That sounds yep. about right. Um, and then it also includes the tributes. So yes, yes, uh, right. And the tributes. I mean, there's like ten models of tribute now. So, um, yeah. the cool thing. I and and this is this is the thing that I think I am more interested in from GNL at this point because they're not doing the factory custom thing anymore. Um, They're starting to bring out the esoteric models that they started with in the '80s. So if you didn't know this, GNL didn't start off making Strats and Tellys. They were making guitars that were decidedly more like Music Man designs. 
because mm-hmm. that's where he came from when they started GNL. Right. They didn't switch to those bodies until like 1989 where they started using Strat bodies and stuff. And they brought yeah. out a legacy, which was basically just a Strat. Um, so I'm decidedly more interested in things like the GL- GNL CLF research line, which is like this is what they were doing back in the 80s. So they have the Espada, which is one of the mm-hmm. guitars in the CLF research line. I think we covered that on the show already. You can look back at a yeah. previous episode for that. Um and then they also did the uh, – and this is the one that I would probably buy if I couldn't get a vintage one for similar money, which I can, um, the CLF Research Skyhawk because the Skyhawk is an S500, right? But it looks a little different. Um, it's just a little bit funkier, and I think it would be a good complement. But the thing is if I'm going to buy one. I'm going to get it, I'm gonna get a 1984, which is my birth year. Um Skyhawk. That would be the right. that would be the goal. And I've been wa- I've been watching for one on uh, Reverb for quite some time. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. Now here's the weird thing, right? So Jim, you know what a Skyhawk looks like. I've showed you before. Yeah. Well. How much? How much do you think a Skyhawk weighs? I don't know. This Nine is, pounds. This is an ash. Nine and a half pounds. Yeah, it's an ash body with an ash neck. Apparently, an ash neck, which that's that's weird. Uh, that looks like maple. Are they sure it's an ash neck? I think they got that wrong. Is this uh, at uh, Sweetwater? Yeah, so maple fingerboard ash neck. No, that's a maple board and a maple neck, guys. That's got to be. I can link you the item if you Which want. Which one is this again? Uh, the Skyhawk CLF Research. There we go. I got it. Clear blue. Yep. That's clearly an ash body. Like That is absolutely an ash body. You can tell by the wood grain, but that is not an ash neck. That is a maple neck <laughs> with a maple yep. board. Okay, from a mile away, from a mile away, that's a maple. Neck. Yeah, because I've seen I've seen ash get used for other things, and it's it's a white wood. I mean, it's like almost white um, yeah. until they put like a, a tint or or if they they clear coat it. That the that's maple. clear will make it yellow. That's definitely ash. That's maple. or that, maple rather, right? Um, look at the weight on that guitar, Jim. It's eight pounds. Yep, it's a tiny guitar. They're yep. not using swamp ash. They're using northern ash. There's got to be. That's yeah. one of my gripes about the one I have. Is it's like a, a, a like a ten pound strat? Because it's yeah. Because it's um, northern swamp ash. ash. No, northern, swamp yeah, ash is northern. light. It's northern, northern ash. ash. That's what I'm Northern ash. Um, and that that kind of drives me crazy because I paid extra for for the ash body, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that's you know that's GNL. That's the way they've been doing it. That's the way they've been doing it for a long time. Um, I think it's really weird that they're that they're doing that stuff. So I was watching. I've been watching. I've been doing a binge on um several guitar players, but mostly Strat players, right? Like Jeff Beck and uh, Eric Johnson. And I realized I've been like totally out of the loop on Eric Johnson for a while, right? So they're doing that thin line Stratocaster right now, which I know some people are like, "Ooh, that's really cool." I don't, I could care less about a thin line Strat. That seems absolutely ridiculous to me. But they're also <laughs> doing—he's just saying that for me, folks. <laughs> they're also doing the uh, Eric Johnson 1954 Virginia Stratocaster. Oh, by the way, on that on that Skyhawk. Yeah. If you scrolled all the way down where it says tech specs, it says neck material, hard rock maple. Yeah. 
Yeah. It looks like so, my um, maple neck up here. So that's yeah. why I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, uh, that's, that's maple all day long. So I they're not, they're still doing non thin line Eric Johnson strats. Yeah. Which, uh, if I recall. The reason I didn't like the Eric Johnson strat was twofold. I did not like the neck shape, but again, this was 10 years ago. I might have different preference now. Yeah. yeah. And it was a finished neck, like not satin, but thick nitro finish, uh, which I could probably deal with nitro. Like I've having played Gibson's since then, um, yeah. And, you know, used him as almost the main guitar. Like, I could get away with it. But I wanted to point out why I think the Virginia Stratocaster is so cool. There's a couple of things about it that I didn't realize. Um, I've seen him play the real Virginia, okay, twice. Right. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's an interesting guitar in that it's kind of a weird-looking sunburst when you see it. Mm -hmm. um, now, here's the crazy part about this guitar. So... I thought like he was buying up all these vintage pieces. He wasn't really buying up vintage pieces. What was happening was it was like 1979, you know, 77, 79. He's going in these places and getting guitar work done to the other guitars he's got. And he walks into this place and there's a Stratocaster leaning up in the corner. And he asked me, he said, whose Strat is that? And they said, uh, this is a, the, the pickup doesn't work in it. It's in for repair. He said, well, would the owner be interested in selling it? And he said, I don't know. He's like, I can give you his number. So he calls him up. The guy says, this is my, my grandfather's guitar. I'm not really interested in selling it. But if you had uh, like a specific Gibson, I'd be interested in selling it. So Eric went out and bought the Gibson and then traded it for the, for the strap. Okay. Here's where the, the story gets kind of weird, right? So he trades this Gibson for this, for this 54 strap. It has no working bridge pickup when he gets it, right? So what does he do? He puts – he does what everybody does in the 80s. He puts a DiMarzio HS2, a stacked humbucker, in the bridge. So Eric Johnson, total purist. Everybody's like, oh, my God, like tone legend, right? His main guitar had a DiMarzio HS2 in it. Okay, now I've known this for a while. This one wasn't a surprise to me. But that's kind of weird when you think about it. Um, so it has the, the Virginia Strat replicates a lot of the crazy idiosyncratic details in his real strats. Right. Um, and what I liked about it was there's a couple of things that, that were really interesting. So number one, the body is not alder. It is not ash. And it, it now bear in mind that's in a real original 1954 strat. And I didn't know they ever did this, but what do you think that body's made out of, Jim? Because when I tell you, you're gonna be like, what? It's not made of ash, it's not made of alder. No. Hold on. And it's not pine either. Maple. Sassafras. You're kidding me. Sassafras. No, no joke. They did a very, very small amount of Stratocasters in like 1954, uh -huh. which would have been what, like the first yeah, year that of the was Strat, early I think. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was the first yeah. year. And when they did them, they they bought like all these different types of wood because they were just buying wood. Like, yeah. they didn't care. It's like hardwood. Yeah, I don't exactly. give a shit what it is. Um, and they and they made this Stratocaster out of sassafras. <laughs> 
And I guess the repair technician that Eric Johnson used at the time, he like did all of his guitars. He said they didn't do very many of them and I've only seen one other. Um, and if you know anything about the Austin music scene at the time, like that was where all the vintage guitars were getting right. traded. Um, and so there's a very good chance this guitar may have graced the hands of Billy Gibbons or, or, or uh, Stevie Ray or somebody else in that scene that was, you know, a contemporary of, of Eric Johnson's. So um, the crazy part about this guitar is, so it's made out of sass yep. for us, right? It's got yep. HS2 in it. He had some very specific total things that he wanted done that like nobody else did. And uh, I, I also know some other things about the way he used to set it up. So the um, uh, there's something special about the wiring, but basically like he wants the Kodo sound for the, for the uh, neck and middle pickup. So when you switch them on, it's they're out of phase, but they're, I forget what, what they call it, but it's like even thinner um, than your typical, like that position on a guitar. Um, and then he's got the, of course the HS two, which I think this is like some sort of special variation on the HS2. Yeah. Um, and it, oh, yeah, so he said that the top coil is active. Like that's very right. specific. He wanted the top coil to be the active yep. coil. Uh, they The original guitar has one saddle that is different. And I'll explain why. He was not satisfied with the E response on the high E string. He said it was right. thin. And it was nasal. And so he said in order to remedy that, they put a piece of plastic on the saddle. They actually machined out the saddle a little bit and put a piece of Delrin to make the string sound warmer so it would match the B, G, and D strings, which get used a lot in the chord voicings and stuff. So that was a big part of that guitar. So in this one, instead of the Delrin, they used a special GravTech right. saddle for the high E. Um now, do I think that getting a sassafras body Stratocaster is all that necessary? I mean, the price tag on this thing is $2,500. I think it's a cool collector's yeah. piece. Uh, honestly, I've been looking at it, and I'm kind of like, it's a lot of money for a guitar, but I could buy one, and I would not be upset about owning that particular guitar. As you know, last week we talked about Eric Johnson on the show. I'm a big Eric Johnson fan. I always have been. Um, I've seen him three times. The last time I saw him, I was disappointed, but I still love his music. Um, and he, as far as I'm concerned, he's like a tone hero for anybody who right. plays guitar. Um, and so I know this guitar will be killer, but is it worth it for, for a sassafras body? Because everything else is attainable. I could do it myself. Yep. Right. Even the neck shape, I could get a warm off yeah. neck. That will, you know, with a, cause that was the other thing. So it's got a flattened radius. So it has like a 12 inch radius. Um, and he used to buy like 54s and strip the frets and radius them down that put big ass frets on them. And, uh, like everybody else was doing, you know, um, and nobody would bat an eye about doing that in a 54 back then. They just didn't care. Right. Right. Um, so I guess, uh, I mean, I, I, I what I'm asking is like, do, do our listeners think this is this is worth it? Another five hundred bucks over a standard EJ for this particular guitar. Personally, I say no, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to buy right. one. Like I'm looking at this and I'm looking at this real hard. This is one of the few signature guitars where I would be like, you know, it, 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 he's he's too close to my heart to ignore it. 
And this is really this Eric Johnson signature strat that I wanted to see for a really long time. So I think it would come down to like, what kind of a price can I get on this? You know, that kind of stuff. So if I could get one sub 2000, I might yeah. consider it. I'm a strat guy at heart. I mean, I know I'll play it regardless. Um, I had a guitar with an HS2 in it. That SRV strat, which I think I had that right before we started doing the show. Um, I might have I might have had that when we were doing a show. I sold that guitar and I bought um what did I end up buying? I don't know. I bought something else with it. Uh, I think I made no, that would have been before because I think I sold that to get the SG. Yeah, that was before um, the show. Long, long time ago, yeah. Um So I'm I'm uh getting ready to deal with tomorrow my uh actually my my cousin is getting out of jail tomorrow um they're being released early they were supposed to be out in september or august um and actually they're paroling with my parents and um it's a long story if you really want to talk to me about it private message me i'll give you the whole story but uh we're coordinating right now during the show about who's going to do what tomorrow because they have to drive four hours together from uh from prison oh, so it's it's like a whole like a whole thing in the middle of COVID nineteen, right? Yeah. Um. And so actually, I'm going to go sit with my brother, who's got some physical issues, and sit with him while they go down there. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's my my life is absolutely insane right now. So it's it is what it is. Um. Yeah, dude. Sayer Johnson's strats. It sounds like tearing me up, man. Um, cause I'm like, that's a really cool guitar. But in the quest for doing that, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. And so that's where I actually wanted to go with this conversation. So the, the Virginia stress cool, yeah. right? I saw some stuff this week on YouTube from him that I had never seen before. He did, must've done a song with Carol King yeah, back in like 1979 yeah. or something. Um, and he's doing the guitar solo on it. And I'm going, huh? Like, I didn't know about this. Nowhere have I ever read, not on his website, not on, you know, other fan websites, not on Wikipedia. Is there any mention of him doing session work prior to his first record as Eric Johnson? Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that was not the only session work he'd done. Cause there were some other like videos of him playing with other people and, I was kind of like, I, I was kind of taken aback for a minute. But I also found, um, if you dig deep enough, you can find more videos of Eric and his famous Dumble. Uh, but part of the reason I want to talk about this is I was having a conversation with our show listeners, and they brought up the fact that I said that Eric has less than, he, he has the same ears we do. And I want to clarify what I meant with that. Obviously, Eric Johnson has some skill with his ears, right? Like he can hear, he, it's not that he can hear things that others can't. He has some sort of attention to, or, or the ability to process details that other people can't, right? And because of that, what I was trying to say was his, his concern for like the details of which way a capacitor is oriented in a circuit that is not an electrolytic cap, cap because that would actually matter. Um, his his level of detail there is something that he could probably actually hear and is probably attuned to in some way, but nobody else could tell. I mean, I have yet to meet somebody who can tell you that your cable's turned around mm-hmm. backwards um, just from hearing it. 
but apparently Eric Johnson can. So that's a whole other thing. Um, but I just wanted to point out, like, I, I know people were kind of like listening to what I said and some people pointed out to me that, you know, Hey, you're wrong on that. I think I just got misunderstood. Cause I do, I do totally respect his ability. Like he's got, he's got a tonal ear. That's something special because he can pick out things like specifically pieces of gear and stuff that are pretty crazy. Some of those older videos I saw him in uh, prior to him getting the 54 strat even because I saw him playing like a blue American standard or something from like the seventies. And he was ripping that thing apart. And I, I think if, if you're ever into any of these guitar hero people, right? Look for the videos before they made it before they became famous because that's the stuff where you're going to see them trying to prove yeah. themselves and watching those old clips of him. That's what I was watching. And I was going, man, he was ferocious when he was mm -hmm. younger. Like now he, he's kind of resting on his laurels a little bit, but when he was younger, there was so much conviction there and it was like, Hey, I got something to prove. Uh, and I think as they get older, they just don't have as much to prove and they kind of mellow a little bit. Yeah. I've been talking for like the last half hour, Jim. No, Come I was on. just agreeing with you. Um, yeah, the the one-to-one um, -one album is what you're talking about. And um, it was 1982 that uh, he, he appeared. Yeah, it was well, early 80s, it was 80 when the album right? came, But it was 82 when he did a TV special with her. So he was playing with her for eight, 1980 and 82. He didn't get picked up until... Um, he did Austin City Limits, I think, twice. And I think it, I want to say it was this, I think it was twice. And I want to say it was the second performance where Prince was watching from wherever Prince was at, probably Minnesota, mm -hmm. right? And he called up his record company. It was like, you have to sign this guy immediately or I won't do any more records. Right. <laughs> he threatened his record company. And that's how Eric Johnson got wow. signed to a major label. Yeah, um, so yeah, it, yeah. it was um, it was a one-off TV special that he did with her, and of course, then the album. So, have you uh, have you seen one of the Thin Lines yet? The Thin oh, Lines. Oh yeah, I've seen several. Are they any good? Did you I like liked them? it. I and it's light, super light. Um, does it have the? Does it have a like a like a super finished neck or? No, it's. It, I mean, the neck is finished, but not. It's more like this neck, so it's got like um, uh, light poly on the back or whatever they're using. What, you know what I don't understand. Um, oh, now I got a message, laundry list of messages here. I'll deal with that later. Um, so the so the thin line strat mm. right. Is seventeen hundred, yeah. but the full-bodied one is nineteen hundred. <laughs> What's the difference in price the, all about? That the thin line would be more expensive because you've got to take a good piece of wood still, and then route it out. Yeah, but no, I, I, I well, I'm getting at something, Jim. Where's it made? Oh, where is the thin line strap made? Now, it doesn't matter because EJ is actually yeah. playing them. But that I'm Mexico? just saying, like, no, no, I'm not for $17.99. It's got a, it's got maybe, a certified for export maybe, sticker on the back. Maybe Japan. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe not. 
I don't know. I don't know. Where's the Eric Johnson thin laid maid? Uh, let's yeah. Google it, shall we? Thin maid. Um, I have not seen anyone comment on the um location of. Well, it's easy because I'm going to. I just went to Sweetwater, and on yeah. Sweetwater's site, oh, this is great. I figured I'd be able to see where the... Um... No, they don't put that in, in the sales stuff anymore. They no, haven't no, done no. that in a while. They, they used to have it on the back of the headstock, would be a... Oh, yeah. Number. No, no, they don't do that anymore. No, this is an import. I I'm willing to bet... If one of our show listeners knows, please let us know. But I'm betting it's an import, and that's why it's $400 cheaper than the full-on guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I don't like the f hole. I think that's. I think that's actually probably. We the had silliest. the um, we had the um, yellow one in the store. I don't know if we still have it. Um, yeah, the yeah. cream-colored one or whatever. Country of origin, United States. Vintage white. Guitar Where do you see that at? No. Now that could be wrong. That wouldn't huh. be the first time that Fender said one thing. Well, I wonder. I wonder if some of the parts are being sourced in the states, and some of the part, and it's being assembled here. But like, some of the parts are being sourced overseas. I'll ask my. All I know is that tomorrow. that's a nice. Uh, look, that looked like a satin yeah, finished neck satin too. Finished neck. It's got a very light lacquer on the back, like the like the ultras have. It, and it's aged like the ultras. Nitro yeah, so looks really, nitro. really nice. I mean, I would be inclined to get um, one of the the other American ones, but like I said, I really rather have that Virginia. I mean, it would be cheap enough to convert one of the regular Alder body ones into a Virginia with a Graftech saddle and yeah. an HS two, um, which actually is probably about the price difference. I mean, an HS two is going to cost you. 100 bucks uh installation 60 the uh saddle will cost you you need probably to buy a whole set which would be 60.99 wow um yeah dude that's what i was like i don't know that i would buy an ultra over that that's nice because i'll tell you this the uh, all of the modifications i was talking about with the strat um that ej used to do they are the things that i still would like to do when I buy a Stratocaster or when I play a Stratocaster, like the, you know, the saddle, I've always noticed that the E string sounds pretty thin on most strats. Um, regardless of what gauge you use. Um, I've always noticed that, you know, the, uh, uh, he, he does uh, a thing to the, the base plate, um, in the, the, uh, block. So I don't know what block these come with, uh, they look like a standard zinc block. Yep. It's a big zinc block, but it's a zinc block. He used to he used to um, take uh, a thing and remove the paint yeah, from the top sense. of the block, so that they would have better contact. So they he would yeah. rough them up so that they'd have better contact. And he claimed that that would make a difference in the sustain and tone. Um, and the other thing, if you notice, all these guitars come with five springs installed, and that's an Eric Johnson thing. He likes to have all five springs yep. in the guitar. Um, he's, 
I, I remember reading somewhere he said that, and and it was he was joking, but he said he said, well, yeah. it's got five claws yeah. on it, so put five springs in it, like, um, and he doesn't yeah. play. I think he plays with nines. I mean, he doesn't. It's not like you know, there's any real reason to do that. Um, I I, uh, I find that if so, you have, um, I look at the springs physically, and I could be wrong. I'm not a physicist, but. I look at the springs physically like this. If I have five springs and then I set them for attention, it's highly, it's less likely that five springs will change tension um, over time than three springs. Well, I think he plays his deck. I don't think they're floating, which is a big yep. part of that. He wants to ratchet it down yep. to the bridge so that he can bend and it doesn't go out of tune. And that and that's basically what it is. Like he does use the tremolo, um, mm-hmm. but he uses it sparingly. And when he does use it, it's just it's like full on like whammy abuse. He's not using it for like subtle tremolo effect. Um, so yeah. that's basically why he can get away with that. That is one thing. So this is probably the reason why I wouldn't buy an Eric Johnson Strat. There's some other things about him I I really like. I want a two post bridge. Um, I think I would have much better luck taking mm-hmm. a legacy like a GDL legacy and doing the same modifications to it, put an HS2 in it, put a, put, you know, something across the, uh, the saddle to get that, that E string warmer, which I actually have never really felt was a problem with my um, GNL guitars and um, you know, kind of get the same effect out of it. I wouldn't put five springs on it. I think the five spring thing is a little bit much. Uh, I wanted to share something about my keys all here in a moment too, but it's just, it's an interesting thought that like, he runs his guitars in a very specific way like that. And it does something for him because he's done it to a lot of guitars over the years. Um, and then of course the, the actual extreme modification of taking a vintage guitar, stripping the frets, flattening the fretboard radius, and then putting bigger frets on. Um, that's a pretty, like they, many people who've done project guitars, who've done that. Um, so the, what I wanted to talk about with Kiesel. So we're talking about the five Springs. My Kiesel is a seven string, right? So the block is only, you know, it's one string length wider, right? The crazy thing is the block yeah. is still a five post block or the, yeah. not the block, but the, uh, the claw, it's a five post claw, but you can't actually even the tension because the springs, like the center spring doesn't have a center hole to line up with on the bridge. So it's either got to be north or south a little bit. Wow. And you have to make the decision. It kind of sucks. When I opened it up, actually, I saw that the um, yeah. the springs were in a V, yep. which, Jim, you know, <laughs> I hate that uh, because that's no. not the way that that was supposed to work. Um, right. And, and you know, if, you, if anybody knows anything about engineering, you know that there are, is more stress right. on the outside springs than there is on the inside spring. And therefore, the inside spring could potentially pop out. I've never seen that happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I am also going to say that you're not getting even tension on the center, which probably suggests that you're going to have some tuning instability issues if you're floating the bridge. And if yep. you've got a keysel, chances are the bridge is floating. Um, so... I didn't mess with it. I I, t- I actually set up my Kiesel. I actually tried to lower the action, and um, I discovered I didn't like it with lower action. So <laughs> I actually raised the action back up to where it was. Uh, I did. I lowered everything one turn, and then I played it for about fifteen minutes, and then I raised everything one turn, 
And honestly, like I've done that with other guitars and they don't play the same. They like they don't play right. And I figure you're going to have to do a bunch of adjustment, play around with it for a couple hours mm-hmm. to get it to, to get it to be where I want it to be, which is why right. you set it aside for like Saturday to do it. Right. Um, and honestly, I, I ratcheted everything back. It's identical to what it was before I, I undid it. So and that's because of the carbon fiber rods in the neck. I'm I'm converted. I'm a believer. Carbon fiber rods in the neck. They will make the most st- stable guitar you've ever owned. I've had this guitar mm-hmm. for a year now. I have played the crap out of this guitar. I have taken it to gigs, like not gigs, but like open mics two times a week. Uh, I have taken yeah. it to rehearsals. I have played gigs with it. Uh, and it has yeah. literally not batted an eye. Um, and I have not had to touch the truss rod since I bought it. That is incredible. Um, and it's not a testament to just the stainless steel frets. Like that's a whole other thing. But the fact that I don't have to adjust the rod because it's got carbon fiber rods in the neck makes it amazing. Um, for anybody who like hates the fact that every three days their guitar plays differently. Or you notice that? Um, get get yourself a guitar with carbon fiber rods. Kiesel isn't the only company that does it. There are other companies. Vigier is one of them. Um, You're a believer, you know. So, yep. I Justin I am. Bieber I really am. In fact, stock. <laughs> no. No. I was uh, talking about um, with my wife, like you know, modification. I'm going to do to my guitars this year because trying to get things budgeted. Uh, I want to put stainless steel frets in my S500. That may not actually happen this year. I do need to refret that Godin, or Godain, oh. and it is pronounced Godain. I heard one of their reps say it. Uh, I, I do want to um, replace the frets in it. However, that may be contingent on other things. I was thinking about like, well, it would be cool if I had a 14-inch radius strat because I have the Kiesel, which is 14-inch radius. Um, and I'm starting to be partial to that, um, that radius. And I was kind of thinking about, I was like, well, I could just, you know, have them playing down my GNL, I guess. Or, and then I got to think, I was like, why would I do that? I'll just buy a Kiesel Delos stainless steel, 14 inch radius. I could get it in a seven string if I wanted. And, uh, well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot else to say. And then I won't care as much about, you know, getting other guitars modified because I'll have the one I want. So I'm kind of like sitting on the fence and thinking like long term, I could see myself getting another Kiesel like Strat basically with single coil pickups and everything with a 14 inch radius, stainless steel frets and carbon fiber rods in the neck. And I think for me, that might actually be the ultimate gigging guitar because I'm partial to strats anyway. And uh, for six string, cause I don't like, obviously my music, I'm using the seven string almost exclusively, but to go to a gig and play, you know, like with old stumpy or um, whatever other outfit I end up with this year, um, that would be like optimal. I think even better than my S 500. Cause my S 500 is not super stable. It is stable. Um, probably the most stable other guitar I have, but it's, so to give our listeners an impression, because I, I don't post pictures of all my guitars all the time, my S500 is um, all, uh, an ash body, maple neck, right? 
just the way Fender intended it, right? And it doesn't, uh, I mean, so maple is super stable. If you've ever had a maple neck, like it's not like mahogany. I've had Gibson. I've had a get. I had one Gibson. I've owned, I've owned a Gibson and I've owned an Epiphone. Right. Um, and my Gibson, I was adjusting the truss rod probably once a month because it's mahogany. It, it It's, it's a guitar that it doesn't stay super stable. Now I know most people probably wouldn't adjust their neck that much. Right. Um, I know I'm kind of anal about it because I think it's my playing style has a lot to do with it. I'm a heavy handed player, number one. So it's really easy for make it, for me to make a guitar buzz. But number two, um, I kind of play guitars like people drive Ferraris. Like that's, I, I get the most, I try to get the most out of the, and I'm not saying I'm a great player, but I try to get the most out of what I'm doing with it. Um, so I kind of keep them in tip top shape and the SG I was adjusting all the time. Um, the Epiphone I had, I adjusted pretty frequently too. Um, so it's just, you know, it's different strokes, I guess. But uh, I I would recommend if you're looking for something stable, find something with a good maple neck, preferably aged. You want something that's settled. You don't want to buy a new guitar and wait for it to settle because it'll be unstable for a year or two after you first get it. But once it settles, you should ne almost never have to touch the truss unless you're going to like extreme humidity conditions or... Um, you're doing a lot of travel and that kind of stuff. Um, has, has that been your experience? You got, you got like what one maple neck or a couple maple neck guitars. Now you've got the two strats and then, um, you have a Telecaster still too, right? Yep. And those are all maple and you, have you, you adjust them a lot or nope. no, nope. have you adjusted them since you bought them? No, nope, haven't had to. Well, the, the one strat I did, but that's, that thing's a 2008. So yeah, you know. so you got to tweak that every once in a while, no matter what anyway, but the ultras have a double action truss rod, right? So that's right. It's, you know, back bow one way, yep. uh, forward bow the other. Okay. Yep. Um, I will never buy a guitar willingly. I mean, I will obviously weigh that as an option if it doesn't have a double action truss rod. Yeah. And I will never, and Fender should stop doing this. I don't care if it sounds better or what. Stop putting your goddamn truss rod adjustment on the heel. Stop it. Nobody wants to take the neck off to adjust the truss rod. That is, that is asinine. How are you supposed to sight the neck? How are you supposed to take it off and find out how much relief? You're supposed to take it off, tweak it, put it back on the guitar, and then use the string to find the, the relief? It's ridiculous. Like right? you're, you're out of your mind. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> like nobody wants to deal with that. I had an SRV strat. I really liked the guitar, but when I started realizing that I was going to have to adjust it, first off, I had a warp neck. Full, full, you know, full, uh, full disclosure, disclosure. And, uh, it had a warp neck and that was one thing. Right. And I was able to get to deal with that with fret leveling. The, Biggest problem I had with the guitar, though, was that when I go to adjust the truss rod, the neck had to come off. And as I just said, I play guitars like Ferraris. So I'm pulling the neck off every 90 days. And on this guitar, like, it was just getting ridiculous. I, it, it didn't make sense to pull the neck off to adjust the truss rod every 90 days. I'll never do it again. I will never buy another guitar with a neck side truss rod adjustment. 
which nope. is why I'm looking right now at the Virginia Strat, which probably has a next side truss rod adjustment since it is a 54 uh, style guitar. Uh, no, it actually has the truss rod in the right place. How about that? <laughs> I wonder if Eric Johnson told them, I don't want you to put it in the heel because nobody wants it in the heel, including me. Right. Um, that's saying something with guy that's owned like a ton of vintage strats in his time um, and modified many of them beyond repair um, that he doesn't want a truss rod adjustment at the heel. Although I'm looking at this. I see the little hole for the truss rod thing, but it looks like there's a little hole on the heel end too. What have they done? What have they done here? I'm looking, I'm looking at the uh, specs. I got to see this. This is going to drive me crazy. They don't say in the specs. I've seen that advertised too, which drives me nuts. Like, vintage style guitar and it's like truss rod heel and i'm like what why would you advertise it nobody wants that even the vintage guys don't want it <laughs> oh yeah i mean i know they do and i know people say that like it changes the tone and it probably does but it can't change the tone enough for me to be that inconvenienced well it looks like <laughs> it I just mean, can't the eric johnson that we were talking about earlier definitely has it in the headstock yeah but do you see the hole in the pick guard like if you look very closely at the pictures, you can see there's a dark spot right there by the pick guard. I don't know. I'm looking at it in a guitar center. Um, it makes me wonder if it's like if it's like photoshopped. That no, there's something there. Maybe it's a neck tilt. Oh, they do have a neck tilt. Well, yeah, but usually the neck tilt I thought was on the the lower, like where your your palm hits the heel on the the lower belt. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I wonder if they didn't want to mess with that pretty freaking Eric Johnson plate. I'm gonna look on their website. This is riveting uh, podcasting. Sorry, folks. That's uh, right. This is a this is gonna drive me nuts if I don't look this up. Um, and yeah, so you know, talk amongst yourselves while we're <laughs> while we're wasting our time here. Um, uh, where is, so this is, this is why I hate Fender. Uh, and, and, you know, I hate all companies oh, equally. The way that you have their website is so head. poorly laid out. Good it's Lord. unbelievable. I have to go through here and then they have you to gotta go, go to products and then you got to go to guitars. No, it's not a player series, even though it should be a player series. It's an artist series. Um, EOB, who the hell is that? Is that somebody I should know? No idea. Under EOB. Then uh, you got to click Stratocaster. Oh, I'm there. And you got to find the... Oh, all I see is Eric Johnson's signature. I don't... Okay, here we go. This is a regular Eric Johnson signature, right? All right. So, and it's more prominent in their picture. Oh, I remember why I don't like the standard color Eric Johnson signature. Because they have a bound neck. It's the silliest looking thing in the world. What? Yeah. They have a bound neck. On the... Um, the Eric Johnson signature. Yeah, on the one that's... Uh, and they're... And they have the... They have the weirdest... Um, 
Oh no, that I maybe the, we're not looking at the same one. I don't see. I think we're looking at binding on the neck. I'm looking at the Eric Johnson signature Stratocaster thin line. Okay, I'm not looking at the thin line. Oh, ignore the thin line. I'm looking at the regular body one, and I'm looking at the specs right now. So, um, truss rod, Jim, vintage style butt adjust. Will not buy. No, nope. you can take this guitar Keep and it. cram it up your ass. Keep it. That's I. I don't understand why they still per. I don't care if his 1954 had that. Nobody wants that. Notice the 1954 one doesn't. The one that's Virginia. No, I haven't looked at the Virginia. I haven't looked at the Virginia yet. The yeah. So this is so this is. I'm looking at the Air Johnson Stratocaster Rosewood. Yeah. But the funny thing is, even the pictures I was looking at on Sweetwater site looked like they had. It was. It was at the other end. It was at the nut end. Right. Yeah. Not. But it's not. Not this one. So. This one. Virginia. That's worth the two hundred. The the five hundred bucks right there. Wait a I, minute. I'm completely honest with you. Wait a minute. There's a dot there, but where are they adjusting the truss rod? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, what? What is that? Why is it pictured that way? And I'm thinking that a lot of these pictures are just a bad Photoshop job. Uh, truss rod, vintage style butt adjust, even on the uh, the Virginia. Oh no, thank you. But that picture, but that picture is clearly not a butt adjust. You know what it is, Jim? That's the skunk stripe all the way through the oh. neck. That's how deep they cut that channel. That's what that is. Yep. It just dawned on me. I got they have higher res photos on their website. Yep. I've never seen them like that. Yep. I and I've seen a lot of Stratocasters in my time, but I've never seen like a vintage one where they where they actually like went through the neck and then filled the whole channel with. Yeah. No, that's weird. No, thank you. I mean, I'm sure they probably did do that back in the fifties at times. Keep them. Yeah, but I don't know. You're right. That's, I'm sorry, but that's something that, that needs to die. I, even on the vintage guitars. I mean, I guess if you're really after the period, correct thing, like the, the, um the vintage models, yep, the rarity series or whatever they are. Um, those need to stay correct, I guess. Yep. But if you are thinking that that is somehow going to make you a better player and you're buying these guitars for that reason, well, first off, guitars aren't going to make you a better player. Uh, but second off, uh, yeah, that's like the worst feature. And you, you should think seriously think about buying that because you're going to send the message to them that it's okay to do dumb stuff like that. Yep. Um, I don't know, man. That really, that really ruined my mood. I would not buy a butt adjust truss rod guitar. You could not give me a butt. butt no adjust. one else does it anymore. There was a time when that was a thing. Like every company did it that way. Now no one does it that way. Um, and Gibson had it right when they said, "No, we're going to put a cover." Yeah. Well, didn't they? Didn't the first like series of Les Pauls didn't have truss rods or something? I think like yeah. I think the first the fifth the early fifties ones. Yeah, like the nineteen fifty one or whatever didn't have. Yeah, the one with the the, the one year. with the crappy wraparound tail bridge or tail piece. Yeah, the one that the ones that all got converted to fake bursts. Yep. <laughs> um, 
that was I would have had him I would have had to put the trust run in the right way yeah <laughs> no I mean put actually put a trust rod yeah in, you know exactly which which would be the right way is to actually put a trust rod in a guitar yep. you know I cannot believe that Martin like fought having trust rods in their guitars like until like the 60s yeah I mean what were they thinking um that has nothing to do with craftsmanship folks like I know people will tell you like oh well a guitar made properly doesn't need a trust rod bs uh i can tell you a number of guitars get trashed because they don't have trust rods yeah. from that period every year um because they just they warp over time there's nothing holding that neck stable and eventually they warp and rickenbacker got smart when they when they started doing it they they had 12 strings they put two trust rods in them yeah they weren't messing around. They they knew like that was too much tension. You're not going to do that with one truss rod. Um, and now the the truss rod technology is so much better. You can get carbon fiber truss rods. Yeah. I mean, then it will never bend. Um, graphite rods in the neck, carbon fiber rods in the neck. Yeah. I don't know why companies are not adopting this stuff. Yeah. Then you put a double fiber ca- carbon fiber. Um... Well, so I do sort of know, right? So like Steinberg and the plastic guitars, right? Yeah. The whole idea of like this resin thing. And I think that turned a lot of people off was like, well, I don't want a guitar that's got any sort of non wood in it. You know, it's like, well, you do realize your hardware makes more of a difference on your sound than your body wood does. Um, (laughs) But nevertheless, um, I think those kind of people really need to reconsider their, their situation and think about it a little bit more closely. Think about your choices in life. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if you have a design element like that you don't like, don't buy guitars that have it because you're just sending the, the wrong message to the manufacturer. This is something that people actually want. Yeah, I know guys who who have you know wanted or own vintage Strats who are like, I don't want that truss rod. Yeah. Um. So actually, I think there's an even better method than what they do right now, um, which is the what what um. Warmoth does where they have the, the truss rod on the side of the heel. Cause that like makes way more sense to me than to put like a hole at the headstock, which would potentially weaken it. Um, you put it down there by the heel and you probably get some of the same tonal benefits if there are any because of the location and the weight. Right. And then, you know, you have this convenient place to adjust it. It's not going to cause you to uh, wreck your headstock because you have to loosen two strings every time you you change the truss rod. Yeah. I mean, that's another that's another whole thing is like the truss rod and the heel works great, except you got to take the strings off. But if you put in the, ne- the next slot, well, that just means you got to loosen your strings. So it's like basically the same thing. Put it on, put it on the side of the heel like uh, like Warmoth does. Right. And then everybody's happy. Um, nobody will ever complain again <laughs> or just put carbon forever rods in your neck and don't put any truss rod at all. Because I, I've heard there are companies that do that. I think Vigier is the one that does that. Yeah. They, they put two big carbon fiber rods in it and their guitars are super stable. They, they never change. Um, and they're, they play the same the entire time people own them. Uh, Sean Lane was a big, uh, Vigier guy, but there's others. There's uh Ron Thal is a, Bumblefoot guy, Bumblefoot is a Vijay guy, and um, I think even uh, even Guthrie Govans had some Vijays before. So uh, that's a company we don't see enough of here in the states. I'd like for somebody like Guitar Center or Sweetwater to pick up Vijay. You know, that way I could buy one and return it. 
<laughs> yeah, I went there. I did. That, I did. Yeah, you could do it. So I've been, I well, you know, I've only ever returned one guitar. I've been looking, and that at, was during the show. So yeah, I've been looking at getting a Godin LGXT. So, yeah, Godain. 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 A Godain. It's French. Um, LGXT. So yeah, put your put your nose up when you say Godain. Godain. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you gonna start drinking tea? No, no. <laughs> I, yeah. Tea and crumpets. Tea and in the crumpets. COVID nineteen crumpets. Oh no no no! All right all right all right. I I, I said I wasn't going to talk much more about COVID nineteen, but we're at the end of the show, and I want to share one more thing that will that and it's just going to be like a knowledge bomb. I'm going to put it out there in the world, and I'm going to let everybody think about this. We live in a world where there are people who believe that vaccines don't save anyone right ever right, right. all they do is harm people we live in a world where those people are having parties with covid-19 people who are actually infected yep so that they can all get sick together yep yeah i know i have been david i've been jim and this week we have been the practical guitarist yes we have <laughs>